Please take your seats again. Good morning, it's good to see you. If you don't know me, my name is Steve and it's my privilege to share a message from the Bible with you this morning. And this morning we are continuing our series that Pastor Clive started a couple of weeks ago, which is really um, about eight keys from uh, the book of First Peter, from chapters 2 and 3 of First Peter, eight keys that we enable us to really have an impact in bringing the Word of God and the good news about Jesus into people's lives. And uh, I don't know about you, I've been so blessed the past couple of weeks. So Pastor Clive two weeks ago spoke about us being like foreigners in the, uh, in the world, about being different, about not having our kind of thoughts and our culture and our behavior shaped by the, the country that we are in, but being shaped by the kingdom of God and our connection with God. And then last Sunday, Sally spoke about our attitude towards government and authority and how that was so important that we could be and should be model citizens because of our trust and our attitude to God. And so for me, it feels like this series is all about the way in which God really impacts our lives in such a way that our lives have an impact on others, that there is such a a testament to the power of God at work in us. And we're going to continue that theme this morning, and we're going to talk about an area of our lives which most of us spend a lot of our energy and a lot of our time doing, and it's about work, whether that is our kind of paid employment or we're at college or university, but it's all taking that kind of idea about our, our attitude towards the government and our governing authorities and then sort of bringing it uh, to a more micro level and thinking about how that kind of uh, works out in our workplaces. I was at a meeting a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the sessions this meeting, somebody from a, like a recruitment agency was talking about um, you know, some of the, the reasons why people stay in jobs rather than kind of go off and, and look for other jobs. And this person was saying, actually, we might think it's about money, but money is not the most important factor that it seems like people feeling valued and like they belong is a really important part of, um, part of work. And I think increasingly, particularly as budgets are squeezed, one of the ways in which employers try to make uh, their employees feel like they're really important is by giving them a super important sounding job title. And uh, so much so that the, uh, the campaign for plain English uh, published a paper really e- uh, recently called Fancy Pants Job Titles. And it listed some of the job titles, so genuine job titles that are out there that people have been given. And hopefully we can see them uh, come up on the, the screen if we've got that, that slide that describe. So these are genuine job titles. I wonder whether you can kind of guess or work out what these jobs are. So a crockery cleansing operative, a dishwasher, absolutely. Somebody genuinely has that as their job title, okay? A director of first impressions, receptionist, yes, very good. A destination counselor, travel agent, yeah, it's good. A loss prevention officer, 
Any idea? Yeah, a store detective, security guard, that, that kind of uh, area. Media distribution officer, that sounds important, isn't it? What do you think that is? A paper boy, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a vision clearance engineer. A window cleaner, very good. You're, you're, you're seeing through this, aren't you? It's very good. A revenue protection officer. It's not a tax collector. It's a, I've actually seen people this, called this on the trains. They are ticket inspectors, but they're called revenue protection officers. A knowledge navigator. It's a teacher. Yeah, somebody said teacher there. And then the final one, a brand evangelist. Yeah, sales and marketing. I've definitely come across people who, are, who have the job title of a brand evangelist. So fancy pants job titles, they're one way in which uh, employers can try and make people feel important, but actually how people treat us and their attitude towards us and their behavior towards us at work can make a big difference. And it's this that we're going to look at this morning. Let's have a look at our passage for this morning. It's from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, carrying on from where Sally was uh, speaking last week. And we're going to read from verses 18 to 21. It says, slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Let me just pray for us before we get into this passage some more. Father, we want to say this morning that we love you. It is such an honor and a privilege to come together and to worship you. Lord, to come together in your presence. Father, we thank you that you have made us acceptable, that you have made us worthy to worship you, that you have made us able to hear, receive, and respond to your word. And Father, this morning, we want our lives to glorify you, to honor you, to bless you, to praise you. We want our lives to have impact in the world. So, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you minister your word to us? Would you come alongside us and help us to hear and understand what you're saying to us this morning? Would you equip us with your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to put into practice the words that we read this morning? Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would you express your heart and your vision to us this morning? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, first, let me just uh, say something by way of, uh, of applying this passage to our lives. So here, Peter is talking to a group of people which he addresses as slaves, and other translations translate this word as servants. And it's a, an interesting word, and sometimes when we read the word slave, we can have a picture of maybe somebody in chains who's beaten and really harshly treated. But the group of people that Peter was writing to, your average first century uh, servant or slave in the Roman world, 
was actually, it's probably, servant's probably a better translation, it's a difficult one to do, but probably a bit more the, the idea that we have of uh, people who worked in country homes maybe 200 years ago. So slaves were part of the household, they weren't you know, economically free and they belonged to their master, but they were part of the household often, they were skilled, they were trained, they received money, there, there were laws in place governing their treatment. If they uh, earned enough money and saved it up, they could buy their freedom. So it's not like kind of people in, in sort of uh, in shackles always being harshly treated, although as the passage explains, sometimes that can happen. Um, but it's, so it's not a kind of slave like we might imagine a, a slave in chains. It is more of a, a servant. And actually, when you describe it and when you kind of understand what it's about, it has a lot of parallels with the, our situation and being in employment. And it translates really well to um, so many of us who work for others in paid employment or even if we're in education, I think. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why, you know, one of the, the main applications of this passage to us is to the world of work. And so Peter is addressing this situation of what our attitude should be to our employers, our direct employers maybe, or the organization that we work for, and what our attitude should be when it's all going well, and what our attitude should be when maybe it's not. And so the first thing that I want us just to think about is what I've called harsh realities. Because the reality is, and I know from my experience, I know this from talking to so many other people, that actually work can be a really difficult place for people for lots of reasons, but actually it can be a difficult place to be a Christian. Now, sometimes you have a really good boss who is so uh, encouraging and equipping and enabling, and I guess those of us who are here who are responsible for uh, staff in some way, we want to be those kind of bosses, don't we? I, you know, I have a number of people who report to me, and, uh, and my goal is to equip them, is to enable them, is to be, you know, one of the, the, the sort of things I've been reflecting on recently and trying to apply to, to work is where Paul talks to uh, the, the Corinthian church, I think it is, and says, you know, you've got many teachers, but not many fathers. Lots of people who will tell you what to do, but not many people who care for you and want to get alongside you and want to, to help you. And so I've been sort of trying to um, take that passage to heart and apply that in, in work to be like a great manager of people. And it's brilliant, isn't it, when you have somebody and you want to go the extra mile for them and you want to put in the hours and you want to just deliver great work because you have such a great boss. But sometimes, actually, that's not the situation, that we can have people who don't appreciate us, who speak to us harshly, or we can work in an atmosphere which feels like it is opposed to our values as a Christian. It can be a difficult place, or maybe where people are mocked for believing in Jesus or whether people sort of deliberately have conversations around us which we find offensive, or just the, the kind of the atmosphere around our workplace can be really challenging sometimes. And it's really important that we appreciate that God knows, that God understands, that if you are struggling at work or at college, on your course or at school, you are not alone. You are not on your own in that situation. God is with you. God understands. God wants to help you. And Peter addresses this situation because 
sometimes it can feel like, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. I should not be suffering. Here I am trying to be a, you know, a really good employee. Here I am trying to wo- work out my faith in my workplace. Here I am trying to do the right thing, and I get badly treated. And it can feel like it's an injustice. And you know what? It is wrong. And sometimes we can kind of feel like, well, why doesn't God just lift me out of this situation? I remember when I was doing teacher training actually many years ago, I remember actually, I must have been like, had a tough class. I remember driving to work and genuinely praying that the Lord would come back before I arrived at, at work. I don't know whether I'm the only one who's ever prayed that, but sometimes you just go, oh, this is t- why doesn't God come in? and rescue me. Or we can feel like, yeah, God's called me to be victorious. God's called me to overcome. Not, I shouldn't just have to put up with this. And what Peter says in this passage, and uh, which is kind of what I've called my second point, is about a strange response. Whereas we might feel like, you know, this should stop. Or if I just pray hard enough, this will all end. What Peter says is, actually, you should... Uh, endure. You should continue to respect your boss or your employer, even if they are not treating you right. We might feel like, oh, I should, you know, be a great employee when I've got a great boss. But what Peter says is we should be great employees, even if we have a terrible boss, even if we work in a horrible atmosphere, because our attitude to work is about our attitude to God and not our attitude to that individual. It's about our attitude to God. And so I suppose sometimes it feels like, you know, when you're in a hole, what you want is kind of God to lift you out of the hole. But what Peter encourages us to do is to say, you know what? God will get into that hole with us and help us to endure. And um, I don't know whether anybody uh, saw this uh, news article recently. It was uh, an article the BBC published recently about the hot weather that we've been having. I don't know whether you've noticed, but there's been a heat wave, apparently, which means it's been quite hot in London. And, um, and there was a, a news report on the BBC... I think that's how they judge these things. There was a news report on the, the BBC website about how the, the effect that the sun has had on so many lawns. I don't know if we can see this picture. I don't know whether you can make this out, but you can see, uh, hopefully here, about how the sun, the grass... That's all grass, but the grass is parched in a particular pattern. It makes quite a nice pattern on there. And the reason for this is it it reflects the fact that 100 years ago or something like that on this lawn, there was like a a walled garden in this place. And although the wall's not there, the foundations are still under the grass. And because of the, the heat, those foundations have got hot and you can see it on the, the grass, and there's kind of other examples of this on this news report, and um, equally there's been stories about reservoirs are getting so dry that, you know, where villages and things like that have been flooded to make way for the reservoir, you're starting to see the walls popping up through the water and the tops of buildings because, you know, the stuff on the surface has gone away. And it, it, it's great, and it expresses a, a really important spiritual principle that when the heat is on, what's under the surface shows on the top. When the heat is on, what's under the surface shows on the top. So with the sun shining on that, it shows what's under the surface. And it's true in our lives that when, the, when difficulty and when challenging situations come, what's on the inside really comes to the fore. You've seen the illustration we've done before as well about uh, uh, a lemon. I think Ben did it uh, fairly recently about when you squeeze a lemon, 
you get lemon juice. What's inside it is what comes out when things are squeezed. And it's the same here when the heat is on. And so there's an element of, actually, when we are in a difficult situation at work, when people are speaking lies about us, when people are accusing us of things, when we're being treated differently because of who we are, not because we've done the wrong thing, but because we've done the right thing, actually, this is an opportunity for the good things that God has put in us to come out. And it's also um, a bit like, I remember Ben speaking quite some time ago, actually, I think about, about the difference between thermometers and thermostats, uh, which is really, really helpful for word, and, uh, and expresses the fact that thermometers are an indication of the temperature around us. And so there's an element where, you know, when, when difficulty comes and we endure, it's like a, a thermometer. It indicates what we're about. It indicates the temperature. But equally, it can be like a thermostat. And the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat, a thermometer reads the temperature and a thermostat sets the temperature. And equally, there is an opportunity, I think, when there are difficult situations and we are facing a a kind of, um, when it's feeling harsh or we're being treated badly at work, there is an opportunity for us to, to take hold of that opportunity to do some good. A bit like Sally was talking last week about, you know, the speed at which we drive is an opportunity to worship God. It is an act of worship. And, uh, and as well as kind of being a, a natural response for, for what's within us, actually, if we endure, if we do the right thing, if we continue to work at the same high standard, whether we are being afflicted or not, there is such an opportunity to worship God. Because Peter says we do this, our attitude is not based on the, kind of the circumstances and the situations and how great our employer is and how value we feel on earth, but it is a response to God. It is out of reverence, submission to God that we do these things. So when we face those difficulties, it is an opportunity to trust God and to do something positive. It, it, it kind of feels like a, a very sort of... Um, poor example, but when I was thinking about this, I thought about, um, so sometimes when I have to go on trains to London and Manchester and places like that, and it's really frustrating, isn't it, when, when your train is delayed or it's late, which, you know, if you're traveling cross country, that's sort of, you know, par for the course, really. But it's really frustrating, isn't it, that you paid all this money and, and here you are sat and the train's just stopped. And I know some people can, who you know, are traveling back from the conference late on Saturday night can relate to that, who you know, got back, I don't know, about four hours late in the middle of the uh, half past one in the morning because the train broke down and things like that. But there is this kind of one saving thing of trains are great, aren't they, that if you're late, you get compensation. You know, if you're half an hour late, they give you compensation. If you're an hour late, you get like the whole price of your ticket back. And so when you're delayed, it's like this frustrating, but at least I'm going to get my money back. At least I'm going to get some compensation. And, uh, and there's something about it. it's really frustrating when we face difficulties and difficult situations and harshly treated. But at least there's an opportunity here to put my foot down and say, I'm going to trust God. There is an opportunity for me to have an internal attitude that blesses God. And it's like uh, Jesus says in Matthew 6, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But when we have that attitude, God sees, God understands, and we are rewarded. So there are some harsh realities And there are some strange responses. And what this is all about is about having total reliance on God, about trusting him completely. 
The point is that we don't look for value and validation on earth, but we look to it for God. And though we might be tempted to react or to respond to criticism, actually, we look to God to face the consequences or to follow through when we're treated badly. And if you want to know what this looks like, well, Peter encourages us because he says that our attitude should be like that of the Lord Jesus. And when the Lord Jesus was on earth, he was wrongly spoken of. People lied about him. He was harshly treated. He was beaten. He was, you know, tortured. He was hung on a cross and crucified with lies spoken over him. And, you know, Jesus' response was not to respond in the same spirit. Jesus' response was not to escape out of the situation. Jesus' response was not to run away. Jesus' response was to say to his Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He trusted God entirely. And you know what? God came through. God the Father came through. Three days after he was crucified, God the Father rose him from the dead. He was vindicated. He was shown to be who he was. He was glorified. He ascended to heaven. And so Peter says our attitude should be like that of Jesus, to trust God for the consequences, not to react in the same spirit. Because you know what? The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us also. Here's what it says in, uh, in another passage in the Bible. In, I can have it on the screen. Okay. Apparently the Romans passage is wrong and uh, David's just changing it. I, uh, I know by revelation. <laughs> but the, we'll get that passage up in a minute. But the point is that we don't you know, we believe in justice and we believe in, you know, that, that it, it's not right that we have to suffer for doing good. But the reality is we trust God for the consequences and to make that right and not try to fix it in our own strength. And you know what my experience is when we are in difficult situations like that? Actually, God does come through. That though we may have to face it for a while, actually God comes through through. God changes the situation. God rescues us. You know, though we might have to face difficulties for a time, it doesn't last forever because we are relying on God. And actually, that's true even when things are going right, that I can look at my, uh, my employment, really, in my career and say, actually, the, the reason that I have done well, and the reason maybe that I've found favor with people, or the reason that I have been promoted is not because I have found favor with people, not because I've made the right responses to people, but it's because I've made the right responses to God, and he is the one who's vindicated me. Let's have a look at what this passage says in Romans chapter 12 and verses 17 to 21. It says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, our response is to God and to to say, you know what? I'm not going to insist on my rights in this situation. I'm going to insist on being right with God. And I'm going to let God be God and God be the judge and God do the right thing. That I am going to, you know, if my enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So whether I've got a great employer or not, whether my manager is really supportive and encouraging, I am going to be a model employee. I am not going to insist on my right to, you know, be vindicated in this situation. And we're not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about not praying for a change or anything like that. But what I'm talking about is having a consistently positive attitude to the people that, got, that are in authority in our lives and to our employer and actually trusting God for the things that we want to change and trusting God for, for being vindicated and trusting God that he will help us and help us out of those difficult situations. In my experience, God always comes through in those situations. It's about being totally reliant on God. And you know what? When we do that, it can have powerful results. When we do that, it can have powerful results. And this whole series really is about, or, or, you know, so far, although we've talked about it being kind of eight keys to being successful in winning, so far it's all, all been about the kind of life that we live and the way that that has such an impact. And I, I love the fact that it just expresses something about the credibility of the Christian life, that actually what we read in the Bible isn't just truth to believe, but it's truth to behave, and it is seen, and it is credible, and also it's really powerful. It's not just, here's some things that you have to do, but it comes with power to enable us to do it. I I kind of think it's always really impressive when you see people who, you know, there's been some sort of uh, tragedy or some trauma, or they've been, you know, sometimes you see with parents where their child has been killed. And I think it's really powerful when you see them come out and they say, you know what, we forgive the people who did that. I think that's so impacting. And I think often what people think in that situation is not, why would you do that? But how can you do that? And I think similarly, you know what, when we are able to, um, you know, face difficult situations and circumstances in our workplace or at school or at college. And we are able to endure that and trust God for the results of that. That is powerful. That's, that's, that's not about having a stiff upper lip. That's not about being a doormat. That's not about being, uh, you know, ultra passive. That is about a strength that comes from God. That is about saying that victory doesn't just wear a crown, it wears a cross. That is about trusting in God and and believing in him for the results. And I think when we can do that, it's really powerful. I remember um, there's been a a few times at work where God's just helped me to, to do things which have been different to how people, you know, expect normal people to understand. I remember one time, particularly when I started off, 
uh, in my, my employment. I was on a fixed-term contract. And right until the last day, we didn't get confirmation that funding had been extended to enable me to continue. But I was completely calm. I had no doubt you know, in God and that that, that was going to happen. But my boss was just like, how can you be so calm? You know, I don't know how you could do that. Because like, if that had been me, I'd have been panicking. I'd been looking for other jobs. And, and it's just having a different attitude. I was in a situation recently where um, I kind of had to go through this process, which was a bit frustrating and felt a bit unnecessary. And my colleague was just like, oh, I'm so angry that you have to do this. This just feels so wrong and so unequal. And I'm just, do you know what? It's fine. It's about having a different spirit. But there's something really important that we have to say here about this whole idea about being winning and having lives that impact. I don't know whether you've ever kind of been in a session about communication and talking and things like that and seen a graph like this, if we can uh, put this graph up, which uh, is about elements of communication. And they say that communication, that 55% of communication is about body language and 38% is about voice and tone that only 7% is about the words that are spoken. Which sounds really, really kind of good. But actually, if 55% of communication was about body language, then, let's be honest, we're wasting our time learning foreign languages, aren't we, really? Because, you know, you could just go to another language, go into the supermarket, and, uh, and by your body language, say, can I have two pints of milk and a loaf of bread, please? And maybe if they were struggling to understand that you could do it in a very nice voice and soft and things like that. Well, that's nonsense, isn't it? Actually, our words are really important. It's more about how we express our words. And the point about this is, you know what, we can... Um, it can be really impacting when we have a different spirit to those around us, when we don't react how people expect us to react. But it's really important that people understand why we are not reacting like that, how we can respond in a different spirit. That it's not just because we have a stiff upper lip, just because we have a certain temperament, that they know that it is because of our faith in Jesus. I remember back to when I was a, a student, and I think it was in my third year at university, and I was in a, a shared house with a, a number of, of people, and one of the girls I was living with, she, um, she said to me at the end of the, the, the year, she was, um, she was a Roman Catholic, and she said to me, Steve, I've noticed how like, you so often you like, tidy up after people, and you do their washing up and, and things like that, and I just want to say, I think that was a great testimony of your faith that you're willing to serve people like that. So there's something about it. She knew that I was a Christian, and she saw what I did, and she connected the two. I didn't actually have the heart to tell her it was because I hate living in a messy house that was the reason that I did all these things, rather than some sort of altruistic opportunity to witness. But there was something, if people don't know that Jesus Christ has made a difference to our life, that we are a follower of him, that he sets the agenda for our lives, then they won't necessarily associate this different spirit that we're exemplifying, this different way of living, this different way of responding, they won't necessarily know that, um, that it, it comes from that. I just think they're, they're a bit odd, aren't they? They're just a bit different. That actually, it's important that people understand that they, they see not just our body language, but they hear our words. And that we, you know, that's not that we you know, stop everything and have a little sermon and say, the reason why I don't get angry with you all is, <laughs> or anything like that but actually that we're really open about our faith and people can 
connect the dots. And I think, uh, again, in my workplace, that um, I can think of a, a number of colleagues that I've worked uh, really closely with. And actually, just by um, being who God has made me and demonstrating the gifts of God and kind of carrying myself with integrity and the values of the kingdom, actually, it has shifted their perspective of God. You know, there's a, a kind of big thing in terms of people, uh, sometimes people moving from uh, being opposed to God to giving their lives to him. There's a kind of a process and there, there's kind of scales that measure it in, in sort of fields of, of kind of study of mission and things like that. And part of it is, is kind of understanding that people who are Christians, actually, they're all right. They're good people. They're not weird or wacko. Well, some of them are, but that's not because they're a Christian. That's just the way they are. But there's something about actually living lives of credibility can actually change people's perspective of God. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about here. So I'm going to give us an opportunity to pray and to respond to this message. So I'm going to invite us to, to stand. So to recap, what we've talked about here is about actually having a really great attitude to our employers, to our teachers, to the people in authority over us, whether they are good to us or bad to us. But because our attitude is based on something fixed, on something constant, and it's based on God and his goodness, that we are to, are to demonstrate, and we are able to demonstrate that same attitude that Jesus demonstrated, that it's when we look to him, when we draw life and inspiration from him, that we are able to endure. And it's all about trusting in God. We trust God to react. We trust God to respond. We trust God to bring about the change rather than doing it in our human strength. So I want us to, to pray. And first of all, I want to specifically pray for people who, you, you're here this morning, you feel like that is my situation, that I am in a difficult situation at work, that I feel like I'm working in a, a, a godless atmosphere. I feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm using so much um, energy. And uh, do you know what, I think it, it's sort of one of the things that I noticed when I stopped working for the church and, and I kind of went and got a, a job out there in the world, just actually being in an, in an atmosphere which is predominantly not just not Christian, but anti-Christian, it drains your strength. It takes your energy. You are having to, to use your energy to, to stir your spirit. And that's a real thing. And I want to pray actually that God would help us when we are in those atmospheres, whether we are opposed, whether we're just struggling about being in this kind of anti-Christian atmosphere. And Father, I want to thank you that you know and that you understand. Lord, and I want to thank you that every step of the way, you are alongside us. Lord, I want to thank you. Your word says that, that, that no pressure, no temptation that we face is too great for us, but you enable us to stand up under it. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us to stand, not just to stand kind of weakly, but to stand up tall in the face of 
persecution, in the face of attack, in the face of lies, in the face of difficulty. Lord, when we set ourselves out to be the right person and do the right thing, when we are opposed in that, Lord, we want to pray that you would help us to stand tall, Lord, by the strength that you give us. Lord, I want to pray that you would help each and every one of us who are in those difficult situations right now to know that you understand and that they are never alone in that situation. You are never on your own in that workplace. You are never the only Christian in your office because Jesus is there every step of the way with you. He knows, he understands, and he gives you the strength to stand up. Lord, I want to pray that you would enable each and every one of us to be the very best we can be at work, to be model employees, to be model students. Lord, whatever our um, whatever setting in our lives this applies to for us, Lord, would you help us to be the best, to demonstrate the goodness and the power of God, to demonstrate the truth of the Word of God, that these aren't just nice principles, but this is power for life, and it is power and truth that has impacted our lives and that can impact the lives of other people. Lord, would you help us, Lord, to be such credible um, witnesses in our workplace, to be, you know, like Sally said last week, be the, the, the Bible, maybe the only Bible that people read, that, that people understand something of you through the lives that we going to put a, a prayer on the screen. I'm going to invite us to pray this prayer, really just to kind of own the words for ourselves, to put it on our own lips, to ask God to help us this week in our workplaces. So we pray this together. Lord Jesus, please help me to set aside my right to react and instead follow your example. Trust in you completely and leave the results to you. Amen.